Uh, we're going to have our Bible reading now, and we're going to be reading from 1 Peter 1, verses 1 to 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the temporary residents dispersed in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen and set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though now, for a short time, you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, you love him, though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thanks, Pri. Hey, everyone. Uh, let me pray and... We'll dig into that passage. Father, we thank you for your word and that it's through your word that you speak to us. Uh, but Lord, if you don't use the words that I've prepared now, uh, it's a waste of time me getting up here and speaking about this. So I commit myself to you uh, and I ask that you would speak to us as we go through this passage uh, to see why we can have joy in Jesus. Amen. Cool. All right, so... There's many things in life that can bring us joy, little things and big things, all right? So one of those little things for me is I love it on a cold, rainy day, sitting at home, eating KFC and watching the Harry Potter movies. For me, that gets me a little bit excited. You know, it's just, it's not ultimate joy, but it's just a little bit of joy. And you guys all have those little pleasures that you like as well. Uh, but then there's those bigger things in life as well, right? It might be you got your promotion at work. You got the job you've been, uh, you've been going after. You bought your first house. You've had your first child. Uh, you know, you've passed an exam that you, sh that you were sure you are going to fail. It might just even be going on holiday. Uh, but all of us, we have something that will bring us joy. Uh, and so think about that question for a moment. If you could have anything that would bring you joy, what would it be? Now, I wonder if... For any of us, if the answer to that question was Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not looking for a Sunday school answer or anything like that. Uh, so don't switch off, but really think about it. There are so many good things in our lives. We can ask the question, why do we need Jesus? What's so good about Jesus that I can't get anywhere else? And today, today I want to spend some time thinking about that question. Why have joy in Jesus? Why is having joy in Jesus so much better than all those things I just listed then? Why is it so much better than the thing that you were thinking about then? 
And so we're going to look at through this passage and we see that there's three reasons that Peter gives us of why we should have joy in Jesus and then look at our response to those things. Firstly, we can have joy in Jesus because if he is your Lord, it's evidence that you have been chosen. It's evidence that you have been chosen to be in heaven, to be a part of God's family and enjoy him forever. Uh, If you have your Bible still open, uh, if you don't have them open, open them up. We're going to look at verse uh, 1 to 2. I'm going to read that out again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the temporary residents dispersed over all those places, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, Peter, he's writing this letter to Christians who are spread over all what we know today as modern Turkey, which is a good reminder that this isn't just made up. This is a historical letter written by a real man to real people at a point in time. Uh, And these people that he's writing to, they're being persecuted for being Christians. They're facing hostility uh, for believing in Jesus. And that's that's not too far from where it seems our culture is headed now facing hostility for believing in Jesus. But Peter's writing this letter to the Christians, reminding them that their hope is in Jesus. Reminding them, firstly, that they have been chosen by God, handpicked by him to be his children. Now, I don't know if uh, you've been chosen for anything before. It might have been at school for a sports team. It might have been for a raffle and you've won a prize. But when you have been chosen for something, it makes you feel good about yourself. Uh, So I'm South African, and I had to go to South Africa for my cousin's wedding. Uh, But I had to fly back a week later because I had uh, an exam to write uh, for uni. And so got onto the plane, was sitting down on the aisle seat, and I was looking in front of me. I can see all the flight attendants uh, chatting. They looked at me and then started chatting again. Uh, And so I'm thinking to myself, like, what have I done wrong? Uh, And so one of them comes up. They ask to look at my ticket gives it back to me, and then goes back, and they're all talking. So I'm going through my head now. Is there anything illegal I've put in my bag? Do I have anything illegal on me? I got through customs, so I was fine. Uh, So I'm just thinking through it. What what could it be? And then one of the guys, they come with a big smile on his face, and he said, you've been chosen to fly first class. That's crazy, right? There's no way I can ever afford to fly first class again. Here's a picture of me flying first class, right? (laughs) I was so excited. Um, we won't keep that up there, though. We'll take that off. Oh, it's not working. There we go. Um, I was so excited. My seat, it turned into a bed. It was one of those massager seats. Uh, the food menu was amazing. They give you slippers. It was just such a crazy experience, right? Um, but I felt so privileged that I was chosen to fly first class. And Peter wants these people to see, he wants us to see that it's such a privilege to be chosen to be a part of God's family. It's such a privilege to be chosen to enter heaven. To know that you're loved by God, that he chose you before the beginning of the world. The triune God, Father, Spirit, and Son, one God, three persons, he set you apart before you even knew of him. And even though he knew that we'd all reject him, even though he knew that we'd pretend to live our lives as if he doesn't exist, he still set a plan in action so that we would be his. He came to this earth and he died so that we wouldn't be separated from him. And Peter is saying, this is why we can have joy in Jesus, because he chose you to be a part of his family. 
See, what this means is that we now have a new identity. These, these people that Peter's writing to, they're rejected by the world. They're rejected by everyone else around them. And Peter's reminding them, but remember who hasn't rejected you. The one who has authority to let you enter heaven or keep you out of heaven. See, in a culture where identity is so important, being chosen to be a part of God's family, that's life-changing. Your identity doesn't lie in whether you're successful or not. It doesn't lie in whether you're a failure. It doesn't lie in whether you're meeting everyone's expectations about who you should be or what you should look like. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a successful person. He doesn't see a failure. He sees a child that he loves a child that he chose, a child that he set apart, and a child that he died for. Having our identity as being a child of God is reason to rejoice. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's great news, but how do I know if I'm chosen? How do I know if I'm God's child? Well, look at verse 2. The answer is there. Those who are chosen are obedient to God. What that means is someone who's chosen, they care about what Jesus says. I'm not saying that any of us do that perfectly, but someone who is chosen makes decisions based on how God calls us to live. Look at these two questions that will come up on the screen. Is Jesus your Lord? And do you trust in his death alone to enter heaven? Now, if your answer is yes to both those questions... That's evidence that you have been chosen by God. Because you can't honestly say yes to those questions unless God's spirit is in you and allows you to say yes to those questions. And that's reason to rejoice because you have been chosen to go to heaven. But if, you, if you're not sure about that, uh, please go and check out that life course that Sally talked about then. Come talk to me, speak to one of the leaders here because Jesus offers joy more than anything we can ever comprehend. Don't just brush it over. Go and talk to someone and look into what he has to say about life. We can have joy in him because he chose us to be a part of his family. Now, secondly, we have joy in Jesus because the joy that we have in him is going to last forever. Not many things last forever, right? So my first class flight, it came to an end 12 hours later. It was great, but, but it came to an end. And most things in life, as good as they are, they're not going to last forever. Look at some of these things in the, on the screen. I'm sure probably a lot of the older guys will remember these things, and you guys here don't even know what they are. Um, <laughs> but at some point in time, people thought these things were going to last forever, Right? Except the Civic uh, video store in Windsor, that will last forever because <laughs> no one knows how that's surviving. Um, but these things, they're obsolete now. Technology has improved. Uh, they haven't lasted forever. They won't last forever. Uh, and there's things in our lives as well that we're, we've experienced that won't last forever. The thing about that toy you had when you were a kid, that toy that brought you so much joy, uh, I'm guessing most of us don't have those toys anymore. It's probably, you know, recycled somewhere. Or that first crush you had when you were a teenager. Do you remember when that girl or guy looked at you, the butterflies you got in your stomach, going out on your first date? There was joy in that. But most of us aren't with our first crush. Some of us might have married our first crush, but most of us aren't with our first crush. And as we get older, we start 
uh, having our joy in the things that we've achieved, having our joy in the house that we've bought, in the good job that we had, by how much money is in our bank account, just in how good your family is going or how blessed your life is. Now, all those things are good and as enjoyable as they are. The truth is, and we all know this, that they're not going to last forever. Things fade away, they break, and people die. But Peter wants us to see that the joy that we have in Jesus lasts forever. Let's read from verse 3. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the, re- through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. See, the reason why our joy in Jesus will never fade, the reason why you can be 100% when you stand before God that he will let you into heaven, the reason why uh, you can know that you've been chosen by God is because it's not based on anything that you've achieved yourself. It's based solely on what God has achieved for us in Jesus. Look at verse 3. It's according to his great mercy. Our joy in Jesus will last forever because he achieved it. Through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, this joy is going to last forever. So if Jesus is your Lord, if you trust in him alone, when you die, when you leave all your achievements behind, when you stand before God, he's not going to let you into heaven because of how successful your life was. He's not going to let you into heaven because of all the good things that you've done. He's not going to let you in because of who you knew or because you turned up to church. He's not even going to let you in because he feels sorry for you. The only way any of us are entering into heaven is if we put our trust in Jesus and in him alone. See, when our, when our trust is in Jesus, his perfect life, it covers up all our failures. The debt that he died on the cross is in substitute for the debt that we should have died for rejecting him. And the reason why we can be so sure that his perfect life and his death actually worked is because he was risen again, he rose again from the dead. You see, if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, we're all wasting our time here today. You might as well go and throw your Bible away and not turn up to church ever ever again. Our whole faith is based on the historical fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. Many other religions and many other teachers claim that they know the way to heaven. They claim to know the way to everlasting joy, right? But if you go and if you look in their graves, their bones are still there. But if you go look in the tomb where Jesus was, there's no body there. Peter, who wrote this letter, him along with 500 other eyewitnesses, saw Jesus risen again from the dead. There's even sources outside of the Bible, non-Christian sources, that talk about the claims that people made of seeing the risen Jesus. See, that's why Peter calls Jesus, or calls the hope that we have, a living hope. Because Jesus is alive. It's not like how we use the word hope today. You know, I hope that I have a good day. I hope it doesn't rain today. Those things may happen, but they're not guaranteed. But the hope that we have in Jesus because he's risen from the grave is assured. See, we can have assurance when our trust is in Jesus that death isn't the end for us. And that's why Jesus brings lasting joy. 
Now, I think one of the reasons why a lot of us are going to struggle accepting this is because we're so used to earning our own way in life, so used to achieving things on our own that this joy in Jesus is seems so way too good to be true. You know, we're looking for that fine print. What's the catch? What else do I have to do to accept this gift? Now, well, I heard a story the other week of a guy who, was, who plays the lotto every week, and every week he uses the same numbers. Uh, and one week his numbers came up on the screen and he had won, but he was so used to seeing the wrong numbers on the screen that he just assumed that he lost. And he ended up throwing his ticket away and later on, he realized that he had one, but it was too late. He lost $1.2 million. Don't be like that guy. Just because something seems too good to be true doesn't mean that it isn't true. But for others of us, we might be thinking that, yeah, this sounds good, and I do want to trust in Jesus. I've tried it before, but I keep stuffing up. How can I be sure that that I am chosen by God, because it seems that I always keep on going the other way. Well, the guy that wrote this letter, Peter, he knew this better than anyone else. See, he sat under Jesus' teaching. He was in Jesus' close group of friends. Uh, He went everywhere with Jesus. He even said to Jesus, I'll be with you till the end. But when it got to the end, what did Peter do? He denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. But check this out. Jesus knew that this would happen, and look what he said to Peter. I have prayed for you, Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew that Peter would fail, but failure didn't disqualify Peter from being chosen as God's child. Peter wasn't chosen because of anything that he'd done. He was chosen because of God's great mercy. See, Jesus was headed to the cross to pay for Peter's failings, to pay for his past, present, and future failings. Peter was being protected by God's power, and so are you. When I finished uni, I was going around handing out resumes to different businesses and made myself look really good on that resume, trying to get a job, but I got rejected from so many places because I didn't have the experience. Uh, I think some of us think that when we stand before God at the end of our lives, we're going to pull out our resume, we're going to leave all the bad things that we did in life, and we're going to say to God, hey, look at all the good things that I've done. And we're going to expect that God will let us into heaven because of that. But just like me getting rejected from all those businesses, we won't be accepted into heaven because we have a good resume. See, we've got to stop basing our assurance of getting into heaven based on our own achievements, on how good you've lived your life. Have confidence in what Jesus has done for you. Have confidence that it's enough. Take joy in knowing that God, he's protecting your place in heaven. Nothing is going to separate you from his love. Nothing is going to stop you from entering into heaven. Have joy in Jesus because what he's achieved for you, it's going to last forever. Now, thirdly, we see that having joy, having joy in Jesus is so good because he guarantees hope after suffering. Let's look on from verse 6. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, 
which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, all of us have gone through or will go through uh, at some point, go through suffering in our lives. Now, sometimes it's just little things that happen. So a couple of weeks ago, someone ran up the back of Holly, my wife's car. uh, And you wouldn't put that in the category of suffering, but it's just one of those things that you, you wish it didn't happen that week. You know, things like when your kids are sick or when they're just, you know, not behaving well. Things like when your hard drive uh, crashes with all your assignments on it and you never backed it up. Um, things like when work is crazy, life is crazy. You might not say that it's suffering, but you wish that these things weren't happening in life. But then there's those bigger things that we go through. Things like a family member or a friend passing away. Things like being diagnosed with cancer, you or a family member. Losing your job. Your marriage not going well. Unable to have kids. Waiting to get married, but it, it doesn't seem to be happening. We think that if we go through these things, that we'll be strong enough to push through them. And sometimes you may, you may do that, but there's no guarantee that you will get through the suffering. There's no guarantee that you or your family members are going to live to a good old age and die in your sleep peacefully. There's no guarantee that you're going to get your job back. There's no guarantee that you're going to be healed from whatever sickness you're suffering with. There's no guarantee that you're going to have kids. There's no guarantee that you're going to get married. And I know that makes us all feel very uncomfortable and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I want us to understand that this is a reality for many people. Even some of us right here now. Now, how in these times are we to be hopeful? How are we to be joyful? When Peter calls us to rejoice, but when you're going through things like this, the last thing you feel like doing is praising God. But you see, this verse is not calling us to act as if everything's okay. It's not calling us to be happy, clappy Christians. Peter acknowledges the reality of suffering. Look at verse 6. He says that, that suffering is a struggle. When we experience suffering, we should mourn. We should be sad. We should grieve. But what we see here is not a solution to suffering, but rather God is teaching us how to have hope through suffering. Peter says that while we will experience suffering in this life, when we do go go through those things, remember those first two points. Remember that you have been chosen by God, that you're going to be with him forever one day, away from all the pain and suffering of this world. Remember that this reality, it's a certain joy that will happen because Jesus is risen from the dead. Your inheritance, your spot in heaven is being protected by God's power. Nothing's ever going to take that away. When our hope is in Jesus, we will go through suffering, but it doesn't end with suffering. Rather, it ends in joy. Think about it this way. When you watch a movie, I'm going to use Harry Potter as an example again. When you watch a movie and the bad guys are winning, so when Voldemort is beating Harry, uh, you think, what's going to happen here? And at one point, he even kills Harry. Sorry if you haven't watched the movie yet. Um, (laughs) He even kills Harry. And if you haven't watched that movie yet, you're thinking, the good guy's guy's dead. How's this going to end well? But then Harry comes back later and he beats Voldemort and all the dark wizards. Um, (laughs) But when you watch that movie again, 
You're not stressing in the part where it looks like the bad guys are winning. Why? Because you know the end. You know that the good guys win. And that's what we're getting a glimpse of here. By putting our trust in Jesus, we know the end of the movie. Jesus has defeated death. You will be raised again from the dead. You are guaranteed your place in heaven with God where there will be no more suffering, no more pain. And Kim is such a great example of that. You know, someone who's experienced suffering and someone who wasn't guaranteed that she would make it out on the other side. You know, there was a very high chance that Kim wouldn't have got up here today and gave a testimony. But even through the suffering, anyone that spoke to her saw joy in her. Anyone that spoke to her saw that whether she was healed from cancer or not, she had a living hope because she knew where she was headed. She was safe in the arms of her Savior despite the outcome. And it really comes down to this, right? Either Kim is brainwashed and she has a false hope or what the Bible says is true, that the joy that she has is from Jesus, that she has a living hope. And my question too is, do you have that hope? See, sadly, living in this beautiful country, we're so tempted to put our joy in so many other things except Jesus. That probably explains why uh, so many of us experience a continuous emotional roller coaster in life. When we put our joy in financial excess, our joy rises up and down depending on how much money you have in your bank account, depending on how well your business is going. If you put your joy in relationships, your joy goes up and down depending on how that person treats you. If you put your joy in your social life, it'll go up and down depending on whether you're accepted or rejected. For you guys, how many likes you get on Instagram or Facebook? If it's in our present circumstances, it rises and falls depending on how good or bad our day is. See, Peter wants us to see that we can't have our joy rooted in the things of this life. There, is, there isn't guaranteed hope at the end of suffering. But when our joy is rooted in Jesus, in the salvation that he brings, even through the ups and downs of life, we can have joy. And that's why he uses this illustration of gold going through fire. When gold goes through fire, the dirt falls away. It comes out pure the other end. The other end. But when we go through suffering, the same principle is applied. Suffering doesn't destroy our faith, but it strengthens it. See, unfortunately for all of us at times, we've put our joy in the other things in this world. And sadly, that's why so many of us will never see how good Jesus is. Let me encourage you, trust in Jesus above all else because the joy that we get from him, it brings us hope despite the suffering that we go through. So we've looked at three reasons of why we should have joy in Jesus. And the last two verses uh, calls for a response. Let me read him. You love him, though you have not seen him. And though not seen him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, what he's saying is, given that we get joy from Jesus, doesn't mean that we now sit here, fold our arms, and wait for Jesus to come back. That we only experience that joy when we get to heaven. 
He's saying that the joy that we have from, from what Jesus has done for us, from what he brings, that begins now. And one of the reasons why we find it so hard to have joy in Jesus is because we can't see him. But if you were born 2,000 years ago, you would have seen him. We're just 2,000 years late. But just because you can't see Jesus doesn't mean that you can't enjoy him now. See, God hasn't left us searching in the dark about who he is or what he has to say about our lives, to say about this world that we live in. He wrote his word, the Bible, through people who were with him, through people who saw him walk on this earth, people who saw him perform miracles, people who saw him have power over death, and people who saw him ascend into heaven. See, by reading the Bible, by reading God's word, we begin to understand how good God is, how amazing his grace is, and he changes everything. When you start to realize how good Jesus is, nothing can compare to him. See, we begin to have joy. We begin, to, we begin living out the joy that we have in Jesus now. You know, not because, again, we've been brainwashed by, by this Bible, but we begin to see that living the way God uh, God calls us to live is actually what's best for us. Uh, think, about, think about it this way, okay? When a fish is in water, the fish is at its best. It's where it flourishes and thrives. But take a fish out of water and what happens to it? It dies. And that same principle can be applied to us. When we live within the boundaries that God gives us, we flourish and thrive because he's the creator of this world. He knows what's best for us. But when we try and live out of those boundaries, that's when things start to go wrong. When we think we know better than the creator of this world. See, having our joy in Jesus, knowing that he has chosen you, knowing that your entry to heaven is secure, knowing that there's hope beyond suffering, the joy from these things, they begin now. You know, when you're planning a holiday, uh, you don't start enjoying the holiday when you're on holiday. You start enjoying it in the preparation to the holiday. When we were going to America a couple of years ago, once I knew uh, the tickets were booked, guess what I started doing? Looking up all the food places I'm going to go when I'm there. <laughs> I started looking up all the rides in Harry Potter World and Universal Studios, watching people going on them on YouTube, uh, because I was so excited about my future, excited about where I'm going. We even started making decisions based on our future. We started saving money, mostly Holly, but we started saving money here, making sacrifices and not buying things so that we can spend it over there. And it's the same when it comes to our future. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that heaven is waiting for us. As God's chosen children, we want to start enjoying him now, making decisions now to enjoy him and not waiting for the future. Because if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, I'll wait till I get to heaven and then have joy in Jesus, what makes you think you're going to have joy in him then if you can't have joy in him now? What we need to do by God's help uh, is change our perspective. Get this rope to illustrate it. Some of you guys might have seen this before. I want you to pretend that this rope goes on for all eternity. Eternity is behind that black curtain there, right? It just goes on and on and on and on. Now, this little fluffy bit here, this is your 80 to 90 years here on this earth. Maybe a bit more if you've exercised and ate healthy. <laughs> all right, but that's the little bit that you have on this earth. Everything you've done in life 
is in this little tiny bit. Now, the decision that you make in this 80 to 90 years is going to affect your eternity. If you can't see it up the back, it's all there, right? That is going to affect your eternity. The decision you make, whether to trust in what Jesus has done, to have joy in him or completely ignore him and reject him, is going to affect this eternity where you either spend eternity with God or spend eternity separated from him. Now, I can guarantee you, every single one of us in this room, we're all going to die one day. Taylor said to me, um, when mom got cancer, we were all acting like as if she was the only one that's going to die. And that stuck with me. That's so true. Kim might have gone before us, but one point, we all are going to die. When you do, where are you going to go for all eternity? So let me leave you with that tonight. What will your decision be? Are you going to choose to have joy in Jesus? Are you going to choose to trust in what he's done for you? Or are you going to continue living that little part out, enjoy your life here, and spend an eternity without him? Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us to come under Jesus. And I pray that you would not let any of us ignore what you've said through your word tonight, but that we would see the joy that you bring to us in Jesus.